Praise God. How many have felt the presence of God so far this morning? Amen. Let's give the Lord another hand. He can't, we can't give him too much praise. Amen. Well, today is Mission Sunday, and I'm excited about... How many get excited when you have an opportunity to sow? Amen. If you don't, then God can work on you, because we should be excited. Amen. About being able to give to the Lord. And uh, I want to talk just to, for a second about Mexico um, this morning. We have some... Uh, um, pictures we're going to put up and just actually right before I get into that uh, put that one up about Facebook real quick Daniel um, we want to we're trying to push again um, just media as much as we can our website and everything we can to we've had a lot of people come into the church um, through our, our website and so it's vwotexas.org if you don't know about it you can go on there and get all the all the all the podcasts all the messages you can tell people about it if you get out of here and you hear a message that touched you and you got a family member that you want to hear that message you can tell them to go to our website and listen to it we even have a podcast out on your droid or iphone that you can listen to on your, on your phone and god has blessed us with that uh, technology jeff's always worked hard on recording the sermons um, but we want to try to build up our facebook page um, and uh, we, you know that we try to follow and go with uh, whatever our home church is doing. They've made their own Facebook page, so we're going to follow them. And uh, we have had one for a long time, but we need more likes and we need more reviews. So if you have Facebook, go to our page. If you have it, make sure you like it and make sure you write a review on there. Say, say a little testimony about what the church has done. Make sure you put five out of five stars on the review. Amen. Don't put four and a half. Amen. But help us out with that and spread the word through that. Like it, share it, do whatever you can. And I'm going to be trying to put some more stuff on. Like yesterday, I shared what the message was going to be about today. And I'm going to be trying to do that. So let's use that. Let's use the media as best we can. We know there's a lot of negative on Facebook, but we can make it positive. Amen. And uh, about Mexico, me and my wife uh, obviously have the Hispanic people very dear to our hearts anyways. Um, because she's Hispanic and we're in Costa Rica, but we have met and spent a lot of time, quality time with the pastors there. And uh, Pastor Jose Luis Fuentes, actually many of you have met him for one week this summer. He was just kind of hanging out here. He came to services with his wife, Carla, or Laura, sorry, that's my wife, Laura. I always called her Carla. Uh, my, his daughter's Carla. And uh, while his, their kid was at youth camp, they just hung out and uh, a lot of you got to spend time with them. Well, they're an awesome couple. They have uh, three kids. They have two beautiful daughters and a handsome son. And all three of them are, I'm not talking about just coming to church. They're like our four. Who am I missing? David. I'm sorry. Sorry, David. Two boys, two girls. I knew that. Amen. Thank you. And all four of them are, are totally submerged in the ministry. I mean, they are not just there at church because mom and dad are going. They do Bible studies. They're on the praise team. They're, I mean, they're, they have two of them are married and uh, great son-in-laws and so they're just a fantastic couple they've been down there for a long time uh well they've been in mexico their whole lives but they've been doing the fellowship church for about 25 or 30 years and we've got churches in our fellowship uh if you want to know more about what we do as a church on the entrance there there's some of these we still have some of these left that says missions update it talks about toronto talks about the Czech Republic, it talks about Costa Rica, which is the work that my wife and I were humbled to start, Nairobi, Kenya, Moscow, um, D Democratic Republic of the Congo, and then of course the first page in here is Mexico. We've got churches, someone asked me before service in Jalapa, Puebla, Veracruz, um, Morelia, um, Wacaxa, 
those are the ones I'm seeing off of hand. And I know we have other cell groups in different places all over, but the major, main church is in Mexico City. And they have, if you can put up that picture now, uh, have been able to purchase or are purchasing, one of the two, some land um, in Mexico. You, they, we didn't get the greatest pictures of them. Well, that's, that's them. That's Pastor Fuentes and, and Laura. There's a couple other pictures here with the land. And uh, like I said, it doesn't do justice of what they're doing. But it's just empty land. You've got to realize Mexico City is one of the most populated uh, countries in the world. Um, and so they, they build up and not out. So it might not look like there's a lot of room there, and there's not. They don't have a whole lot. We've been in Mexico City. There is no empty lots. You can't just go buy an empty lot as far as a big open one. So they've had to purchase some land behind where they're, where they're renting now, but they're able to buy that. How many know that's the biggest blessing in the world is to own that land, amen, and not have to pay rent? So Pastor Paul called me, and you know that we, we work together, amen, and we want to help. I and mean, he's called some other churches, and it all I don't know if they're doing it today or what, but we want to we take up an offering, and I believe that God can use us, amen, not just to change. I want to challenge you today just for a minute uh, this morning as you're here. I know you've already given your tithes and offerings, but we've been announcing this, and uh, I, I'm leading by example. I set something aside from the beginning of the week. I put it in my wallet. I took it out. I put it in my wallet. It was a, it was a nice, clean bill. Amen. And uh, I, I was tempted all week to use it on other things. And I got to Sunday to today and put it in that envelope. And I said, Lord, thank you for helping me get it there and not use it on something else. Kept having the, the carnality say, just break it and use that and you can give a little less, you know. But I thank God I made it to, to Sunday. Amen. If we could all give something today, I asked you if you'd miss a meal, if you'd miss you know, doing something you normally do for that sacrifice, you might not ever get to go to Mexico, but you can go there today with your finances. Amen? And so I want to ask all the kids to come forward real quick, to stand in the front with their change. And uh, this change adds up. We usually get a couple hundred dollars out of this change. Amen? And that helps. How many would love to send a thousand dollars to Mexico this morning? Amen? I would love to send a thousand dollars to Mexico. I believe that we can do that. They need about $10,000, I think. So if anybody's just got a lot of money sitting around, you can just write out a check, right for that for $10,000, and we can use this for someplace else. Amen? I wish I had it. I'd do it. Amen. All right. Well, let's uh, get your offerings ready. This one here, you don't have to necessarily mark, because it's going to go into a separate offering, and we're going to send it off tomorrow. Amen? We're going to get it out into the mail immediately. And we're going we're gonna to believe that God is going to do a great thing with this. If you didn't bring it this morning, you could still bring it back tonight and just mark it for Mexico, and we'll make sure it gets there. Amen? Somebody, uh, here, I'm going to give you my change, buddy. Hold that for me. You kids, all y'all stand up, you bunch of lazy kids. Stand up. Y'all been sitting. Come on. Y'all young. You can, you can sit down when you get old. Amen. How many know God can multiply this offering? All right, I'm going to pray in Spanish. Amen, is that all right? Everybody pray with me. Padre, en esta mañana queremos bendecir esta ofrenda, Señor. Padre, estamos orando en, en el nombre de Jesús esta mañana para que vaya, Señor, con su Espíritu Santo y con esa ofrenda 
al país de México Señor Señor conocemos muy bien la obra que estás haciendo en la ciudad de México Señor bendecimos al Pastor Fuentes y Laura Señor y sus hijos bendecimos las obras que estás haciendo poderosamente en muchas partes del país en esta mañana Señor oramos para que esta ofrenda Señor sea una bendición Señor para que Pueden comprar ese terreno que necesiten para que puedan levantar y edificar una iglesia contra la cual, Señor, las puertas del Hades no pueden prevalecer, Señor. Padre, declaramos fuego, declaramos poder, declaramos que muchas iglesias van a ser plantadas, Señor, en esta mañana. Por medio de esa ofrenda, Señor, multiplícalo. Bendice a los niños, bendice cada dólar, Señor. Bendice, bendícelo, Señor, para que vaya más allá que la necesidad, Señor. Y Señor, declaramos que vamos a ver fruto en el cielo de esa ofrenda, Dios. Te damos la gloria, te damos la honra en esta mañana y damos con un corazón alegre en el nombre de Jesús poderoso. Y todos dicen, Amén. Amén. Let's give with a happy heart this morning. Amén. Sí, 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 sí,
Praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome to know that we went to Mexico this morning? I know Pastor Fuentes is going to be excited to see what God does there. Amen. Get your Bibles open, if you would, to the book of Luke, chapter 8 this morning. How many want to have the mentality every time you come to church that you leave different than you come in? Amen. There's a, there's a verse that's pretty powerful. You don't have to go there this morning, but I'll read it in, in Ezekiel 46.9. How many know sometimes we read a verse and we don't really understand it, but we need to stay on it a little bit and pray and ask God to help us understand what he's trying to say. And it talks about that when people come through the north gateway of the temple, the Bible says in Ezekiel in this verse, that they should leave through the south. And that means that you should never come in the door and leave the same way you came in. How many believe that's the case in church? We should leave changed. Amen? You, you should leave transformed. If you came in this morning depressed, you shouldn't leave depressed. If you came in sick, you shouldn't leave sick. If you came in bound, you shouldn't leave bound. Amen? You, you're in the presence of God this morning, and he wants you to leave different this morning than when you came in. Amen? So I want you to, I want you to listen to a few things this morning, and you saw on the screen there, I'm going to talk about harvest and seed and a lot of times we hear those words and we don't really know what it means we don't have uh, today as much farming as it was back in the day there might be some here who have farmed but most of us don't farm and don't understand and I definitely don't have a huge understanding of harvest and going out and 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 getting crops and all those things but if you think of the word harvest it means what you're reaping okay and so how many know this morning that every day we are reaping what we sow? Every day. We are, we are sowing. The Bible says don't be mocked because what you reap you will sow. Have you, as you sown you shall reap. And I don't know about you, but I want to look at my life and as, as a harvest. And I want to look at who, what I am and who I have and I, in my life and what I'm doing. And I want to be able to say, I've got a harvest for the Lord. Amen. I've, I'm seeing a harvest. I'm seeing change in my life. And I want to see a, a difference made this morning. And how many know today that our church this year, 2014, is going to be, as we go along, it's going to be what we're making it today. Every decision we make today is affecting tomorrow. Everything we do right now is affecting next week. Our decisions are making a huge difference. And how many know that you, when you say, hey, that's my church. My church is you. This church is you. This church is me. You are the, what, the, what the world would say the DNA of this church. You're important this morning. You matter this morning. Amen. You are more important to Jesus Christ than you think you are. Well, let somebody else do the work. Let somebody else be busy. No, you are important to Jesus. Not the person on your left or your right. You, amen. And we're going to be able to reproduce this year in this church what we are right now. And we need to take from what we have right now. We can't, we had a prayer meeting Friday night. It was an awesome prayer meeting. And we prayed for churches to be planted. We're not going to have somebody come in from the outside and we're going to say, there's our couple. There's our people. We're going to send them out. We're going to raise them up from in here. Amen. They're going to come out of our house. Amen. They're going to come out of our tree this morning. And we are what we need. We don't need anything else than what we've got this morning. We've got what we need to make a difference in this city this morning. It's just us reproducing ourselves. 
We've got to reproduce ourselves. Amen? How many have learned something in the last few months in your life spiritually? You've grown. Let me see your hand. You've seen some spiritual growth. Whatever you've learned, you need to start to reproduce that in somebody else. So if you're taking notes this morning, if you don't like your harvest, that means if you don't like your life, and I'm talking spiritually, uh, if you don't like the way you're seeing the fruit of God flow out of your life, then you need to change something. And I want to talk about that harvest and seed. You can't expect to have a different harvest in your life if you keep sowing the same seeds all the time. You have to sow something different. You can't keep throwing out those seeds and expecting something good to happen if that seed needs to change. But I want to focus this morning on one seed. There's lots of seeds that you sow, but there's one that's more important than others. And I'm going to get to that in Luke chapter 8 in just a second. Amen. I want to remind you, I've said this before, this is the greatest time to be serving God in the history of the world. God has chosen this generation to for the return of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Some of y'all didn't get catch that. God has chosen this generation for the return of Jesus Christ. We are going to hear the trumpet. We are going to see the skies open. We are going to be caught up in the air. Amen. And we're going to be with the Lord forever. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to go. He could come right now and I'll be happy. Amen. I don't love this world. I want to see Jesus. And he has chosen us today. You know, you could have been born in 1600. You could have been born in the 1800s. You could have been born in the early 1900s, but you weren't. You were born in this generation. And you know what that means? That means God believed that we could be the people that he could use to usher in his move. Amen. I've used this example before of a four-man relay race. And in that relay race, one person passes the baton to the next. Do you realize this morning that we are in that last, last run and that last track and we are the anchor person for the kingdom of God? Do you realize that this morning? That's a great responsibility. A huge responsibility. Now, as you're opening your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, and we're going to read in just a second, I want to ask a question. It's been a while since I've asked this question, and I want to ask it again as we start this year off. I want to know who wants to do a move of God, who wants to be part of a move of God this, this year. Amen. I want to see hands. Who's, who's hungry? Who's tired of the status quo? Who wants to see something supernatural happen this year where people say, that is God? Amen. How many want God to begin to use your life like he's never used before? Amen. Now I want to ask this question. It's, like I said, it's been a long time since I've asked this question. How many of you in this place this morning, and maybe you're a leader, maybe you're uh, uh, just a worker in the church, or maybe you're just someone who just comes, I want to see how many of you are leaders in here. Let me see your hand. Raise that hand up. I'm a leader. Amen. Nobody said anything that you had to be a leader of a ministry. I just said, how many are leaders? Amen. There we go. How many of you in here are full-time ministers? Let me see your hand. Full-time ministers. All right, we got a few full-time ministers here. Some of y'all might have remembered this last time I asked this question. Well, guess what? We're all leaders. And we're all full-time ministers. 
every single one of us in this place. You don't have to have a title of a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a praise team leader or any of those things to be a leader. The Bible said in, in the gospel of, of Matthew 28, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are a preacher this morning. You are a leader this morning. And you are a full-time minister for God. Don't let your job or where you work get, get you twisted in your mind. I want to remind you this morning that the place you work is only taking care of your bills so that you can be a light where you're working. Amen? Let's look at Luke chapter 8 real quick. Say amen if you're there. Let's start off in verse 4. It says, when, when a great multitude had gathered and they'd come to him from every city, spoke by a parable, and he said, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock as soon as it sprang up, and it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked it. But others fell on good ground, say good ground, and sprang up and yielded a crop of a hundredfold. When he said these things, he said, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And then he said to his disciples, or actually they said to him, Jesus, what do you mean by this parable? And he says, for you too it was given to, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, and to the rest it's given in parables that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not hear. Now watch 11, this is the key. The parable is this, the seed, and I want you to underline this in your Bible, the seed is the word of God. Amen. The seed is the word of God. You have got to understand this morning, church, that this book you have in your hand is not a coincidence. It's not just a bestseller. It's not something that was just written to entertain us. It is the seed for your harvest. It is the seed for your growth. It is the seed for your breakthrough. It is the seed for change in your life. It is the manual by how you should live. It is the answer to your questions. Amen. Everything you could ever need in your life is in this book. And you are holding in your hand. Let me see your Bibles this morning. This is the seed. Say it. This is my seed. Amen. How many want this seed this year to bring forth a hundredfold return? Amen. It is not a matter this morning of us lacking something or God lacking something. It's all there. It's a matter of us hooking up with God and making sure that we're planting the right seed into the ground and that our foundation is not on anything else but this seed, which is the word of God. Amen. The Bible says that, the, that every good and perfect gift comes from God above. If you have anything good this morning and you think you got it, you need to change your mentality. You didn't get it. God gave it to you. God gave it to you. Amen. You, everything good you have is from God. Now listen, I, I want you to think about this this morning. I want you to say, how, how can I be a full-time minister? I work 50 hours a week. How can I be a full-time minister? I, I'm in a place of a bunch of sinners and heathen. And Did you hear what I just said? See how we talk? How, what, what, you know, what am I, you know, how am I going to, you know how many times I, 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 I want to sometimes um, st st 
stop, stop doing what God has called me to do and I realize that's who he called me to minister to? You say, I'm so sick and tired of these people. I'm so sick and tired of the world. I'm so sick and tired of these lost people. I'm so sick and tired of these hypocrites or whatever it is. And then you, God says, that's who I called you to reach. What are you on this earth for? I don't want to be at this job no more because, man, there's just a bunch of hypocrites around me. Well, are you making a difference in your workplace? Amen. Are you doing something? If you're a construction worker here this morning, guess what? How are we going to meet? How are we going to reach the, the construction workers with the gospel? We're going to reach the construction workers with construction workers that are undercover for Jesus Christ. They're really believers, blood-bought, saved, Holy Ghost-filled believers with a construction hat on to make them look like they're a construction worker. How are we going to reach the kids? Through teachers, amen. We got Ashley's a teacher in our church. She goes into that place and she's just an undercover full-time minister being paid by the district to make a difference in her school. How am I going to make a difference at the factory? How am I going to make a difference with corporate people? You meet with those people in your business and you're shaking hands and you're giving them a card and you're doing all these things that you do as you interact, but you're not really that card. You are a blood-bought Christian who's just disguising yourself as a business person so that you can preach the gospel. How many know if you look at your job a little bit different, it, be, it would change your mentality? My job is just my income so I can be a full-time minister. 1 Peter 2.9 says you are a chosen generation. See, we read these scriptures sometimes, and this is, this is what needs to happen. The, the word of God needs to come alive more than it ever has before. You need to stop listening to a verse like this and going, oh, that sounds good, and go, oh, my gosh. Did I just read that right? I am chosen by God. I am chosen by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be a chosen generation. I am a royal priesthood. When was the last time somebody called you royal? Or a holy nation? My own special people. He says that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, in the Bible, as we're reading this, and I'm going to get into this just in a second, I want, you to, I want you to fall in love. This message is about you falling in love with the seed this morning. Not just pulling it out and using it because you know you need it, but understanding that this thing is life. This thing is life. And when we come to church, don't be like Luke chapter 8, verse 1, where the seed of the word of God comes into us, and then it is slowly or slowly, quickly falls by the wayside. How many Christians... Do we have come into church and hear a message and they say, wow, man, God really spoke to me. God really touched me. And you get to the parking lot and that seed is dropped on the ground. It doesn't even make it home. We can't do that anymore. We got to make sure that we take care of the seed of the word of God. We got to make sure that we read it again in the afternoon. We got to make sure that we read it again tomorrow. We got to make sure that we read it again on Thursday and Friday and we hide that word in our hearts. But in this Bible church, there's answers to all of our questions. In the Bible, we had men. God showed me something. We had men and women who were disguised as ministers. Sorry, disguised as workers, but were really ministers. Let me give you some examples. Did you know that Daniel worked for the government? We think of Daniel, this mighty man who was in the lion's den and all this. Well, he, was, he worked for the government. God used the government to fund him so he could be a minister. 
David was in the military. See, we, we, we sometimes think of that, the military back then, different from the military now. It's the same thing. They should have different weapons. But David was in the military. He was a man who, who was of rank. He was a man who was mighty in this, in this world, but he was a man of God. Joseph, how many remember in the book of Genesis when Joseph got put in prison? He went to jail. Well, he was a jail worker. Amen. You know, we don't look at Joseph that way, but he, wherever Joseph went, he was just disguising himself as a worker, but he was really a man of God preaching the gospel. Amen. Moses was an entrepreneur. Amen. He did his own thing. Levi from the New Testament worked for the IRS. He did of that time. And God still used him. Ain't that something? All these people in the Bible, you look at Ruth, she was, she was excelled to a place of great honor and she used that beauty that God gave her. She didn't use it to say, oh, look how beautiful I am. She used it as an opportunity to minister and to free the people of her time. Amen? Are you taking the talents and the gifts and the things that God has given you this morning and are you using them to reach people? Whatever it is, whatever your passion is, amen, you need to understand this morning, as we go on into 2014, every single one of us is, is full-time ministers. If we would begin to think like that, that we are full-time ministers, that we are workers for the kingdom of God, this thing would explode in a way that you would not even be able to contain it, amen? People would be getting saved wholesale. Amen. I'm ready to see people get saved wholesale. And I don't mean just making a decision at the altar. I'm ready to see some 180s again. Amen. I'm ready to see some people transformed and turned away from who they used to be to a new creation. Amen. God is in the full-time ministry business. It ain't about your income. It's about what you're doing with your time. Yeah, you got to be careful at working. Yeah, you got to be careful about what you're doing and what they can tell you you can do and all these things. But you know what? When you stand up for God, he will stand up for you. And when you make a stand in your workplace, amen, God will either take care of you or he'll give you another job somewhere else. But you just do what you're supposed to do. Amen. I was sharing with Jeff yesterday. I'm so proud to see what God is doing in his life, his new job. He, he got to that place and he was showing me some emails of the impact he's making on his vice president and on the president of his company. And they said he is mentoring people and he is, he's praying for the food at the dinner table when they have meetings. And they're saying that he's making a difference and he, they are Christians. And they said, we're going to stand up for Jesus in our, in our workplace. Amen. That's what you can do. That's exciting. Stand up and let people recognize who you are. Amen. That's not something that happens overnight. It's something that takes time. And you decide, hey, I'm going to go to a new job and I'm going to make sure they know right off the bat, I'm a believer. Because we were talking about that. It's bad when you're the believer and you're in the job and then some other Christian comes along and starts being a light. And then you got to step up and oh, I better tell them I'm a Christian too. Amen. That's, hey, hey, do it if you've got to do it. But it's better if you be the one that's the trendsetter. Amen. It's better if you be the one that prays over the meals. Hey, can we pray over this meal? Hey, I, you know, do do it. Don't be the follower later. Don't let the people say, what? You're a Christian? We'll move on. Amen. I want to talk to you for the next few minutes now, not as somebody who might be a full-time minister, but you are. You've just been labeled by God as a full-time minister. 
You've just been given a certificate that you can't see. You've been sealed. That, ver- that verse in 1 Peter 2, 9 says that you are, let me read it again, a chosen generation. You say, well, I don't have no certificate that I can preach or what makes you say I'm a full-time minister? The Bible does. He says you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, his mantle is upon you this morning. And you have, have been called to preach the gospel. So now I'm not going to talk to you as just normal Christians, but talk to you as full-time ministers, disguised as workers. You, first thing you're going to tell me is, I can't do that. I'm not made up for it. I don't have what it takes. And I'm going to tell you, you're absolutely right. 100% right. None of us do. None of us are good enough. None of us are qualified enough. None of us are made enough. None of us know enough. None of us have, none of us. None of us have what it takes. But I've seen in the Bible that God does not qualify people before he calls them. He calls them, and then after he calls them, he begins to qualify them. He doesn't wait for you to get to a place where you've got some kind of degree or you've got it all together or everything's A, B, C, D, E, F. You'll never be there, amen? He calls you just as you are. He walked by those fishermen and said, leave your nets and come and follow me. And they dropped their nets and they dropped everything they had and they followed Jesus. And then it was a process of discipleship to learn. Amen? And you are a full-time minister this morning. So I'm going to tell you two ways quickly this morning how you can get what you need to be that full-time minister. I saw many hands go up that said, I want to be a leader. I want to do something for God. I want to be more for God. I want to make a difference. And I believe you. There's two things that I've learned over the years that you need to have. This is a good discipleship motivation message for you to become great in the kingdom of God. Number one, there's two things I want you to write down, just two. And I'm going to show you in the word of God how this can work. Number one is you're going to have to have some personal experiences. See, one of the reasons, I'm not, I'm not going to go out on the limb and just, and just throw out the whole baby with the bathwater, but one of the reasons that, that we don't, in our fellowship, for example, have Bible school, is that when, a lot of times when people go through Bible school and they go to a four-year school to go to school, they, they walk out of that place knowing less than they did when they came in and knowing more than they need to know. Some of you will get that. Some of you, that'll, it'll catch up later. They went in with a fire. They went in with a love for God and they came out with a theology. And somewhere along that four years, and I'm not saying everybody, there's, there are people that have gone through and made it, but I'm talking about a, a good number of people. As a matter of fact, they, they, it's called a seminary, and many people will call it a cemetery. It's where you go to die as somebody who's called. Don't, don't, mis, don't misunderstand me. We need to understand the word. We need to learn the word. But there's online courses. There's, there's coming to discipleship. There's, it's called hands-on experience. It's called hands-on experience. Amen. You don't know. You don't learn how to drive. When I was in G, when I was in high school, we. And this is way back. Amen. Way back in the early 1900s. Amen. And when I was in high school, they had these simulators to learn how to drive. You got in this big old thing and you watched it on the screen and you grabbed a steering wheel. How many know that's not driving? Because there's nobody around, and if you wreck with the car, they just reset the program again. You, the only way you can truly learn how to drive is get in a car, sit behind the wheel, put the thing in gas, and go forward and drive. 
If you're if you learn how to be a mechanic, you can come out of mechanic school and know how all the things are supposed to work. But you know what? I'd rather have somebody work on my car who's never been to school but has changed about 500 engines in their life than somebody who's been to school and has a degree and has never touched a car or made a mistake or gone through some issues or problems before. Amen. Can you say amen? I'd rather have somebody with some personal experience. And not just somebody who's done a good job, but somebody who's taken the engine apart and put it back together and like I would have a whole bunch of screws laying on the side. It's not good when you take something apart and put it back together and there's a whole bunch of screws left over. Where'd that part go? Darn, I forgot to put it back in. Amen? Would you rather have a doctor fresh out of school who has a who has a, a valedictorian grade and he's a PhD and a HDC and an ARB and all the letters behind it work on you? Or would you rather have somebody who has done some things before and taken some hearts out and done some surgeries on you? It's experience. I'd rather have somebody get up and preach to me or teach me about the Bible who has lived what they preached than somebody who's sitting behind a desk and has never gone out and, and met with people or dealt with people or, or casted out demons or prayed for the sick or any of those things. It's personal experience. Amen. How many know if you run into that wall over there as hard as you can, it's going to hurt? Right? Yeah, how many have ever ran into a wall? Just put yourself on blast. Amen. Maybe a sliding glass door. You've ran into something. It hurts. You know what that did to you? It gave you an experience. It's called experience. It's not the same as if somebody sits there and describes to you, man, do you know how bad it hurts to run into a wall? If you've never ran into a wall, their explanation doesn't do anything for you. But if you've ran into a wall too, you say, yes, I know exactly how that feels. And you know what that experience teaches you? Don't run into a wall again. It's just that simple. Amen. Now, that's number one. But let me take it a step further. Number two is you can learn from somebody else's experience. It's actually better. And I can tell you that, haven't done it right, perfect, but mentally for the last many years I've been saved, I have tried my very best to learn from other people's mistakes. Why go through it yourself? Why not watch and learn and listen to somebody else and let them tell you, man, you don't want to go down that road. I've been there. I remember when I first got saved, I've shared this with some of you before, but it's been, probably been a long time. God, God, God spoke to me clearly. and I, I can't tell you, I've said this before, I'm not one of those people that he, God speaks to me every five seconds. Amen? Clearly. I mean, he's guiding me and he's directing me and I feel and hear his spirit and his conviction, but I'm talking about where it was a clear, clear, clear talk to me and I, and I knew it was God. He told me in the beginning when I got saved, he said, if you will pay attention to other people's experiences, I will place people in your life around you that will fail around you. And if you will pay attention to what they fail in and how they fail and what they do wrong, I will keep you from falling in those traps. It was clear as a bell. 
Now to say I've been 100% on that, I'd be a liar. But I can tell you that over the years, I have seen that time and time again where God has placed people in my life in situations, whether it be an adulterous situation, whether it be money situations, whether it be character situations, whatever it is, ministry situations and, and, and people falling and people failing and people making mistakes and, and a thing would happen and the Holy Spirit would say, look, see that? That's what I'm talking about. This is why they failed. This is where they went wrong. This is what they did wrong. One example of that could be, uh, some people say, how, you know, how, do you, how do you have such good girls? How are your girls so on fire for God? How are they serving the Lord so much? How, 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 how come they're so pure and, and all these different things? And first and foremost, of course, is by the grace of God. But I learned some things over the years. I would go and talk to these pastors when my girls were tiny. I don't know if any of y'all saw the commercial that I put out that Kristen was in when she was like three years old and Desi was in the stomach. And I, if you haven't seen it, you got to see it. It's so cute. And they were in this commercial and we had just gotten to Costa Rica and, and Kristen's like three years old and she's talking to Carla's pregnant stomach about some maternity milk. And it was a commercial the whole family was in, except for me. They left the ugly one out. Amen. But somebody had to get her pregnant, right? So I was in there somehow. I was in the commercial, just not visible. Amen. Boom. And when they were about that age, we got hooked up with this awesome fellowship we're a part of. And I would go to this fellowship conferences. And I'd begin to sit there and just watch. Watch these pastors. Even before I was ever a pastor. And I'd watch how they interacted or did not interact with their kids. And I would look at pastors who struggled with their kids and their kids were running around like crazy and they had a rebellious spirit in them. You could tell that they weren't serving God. You could, had their arms crossed, never went to the altar, never had the Bible in their hand. Were just, you could tell. And I'd watch and I wouldn't go talk to them. I'd go talk to the pastors that I saw that their kids were serving God and their kids loved the Lord and their kids carried themselves in a godly way. And I'd walk up to them and I'd pull them aside and I'd say, Pastor, what do you do? How come your kids are so good? And they'd give me these pointers. They'd give me these things to, to, to watch for and to do. And, and I learned from their experiences how to raise my children. I learned from my, from my pastor, who's a great man of God, who's in his late 60s now and has been all over the world and impacted the world, but for a long time he had no relationship with his kids because of the ministry. I learned from my pastor when we would be in Costa Rica and he would be in the car with me or at my house or at a restaurant and he would tell me, go home and spend time with your kids. Go make time for your kids. Go spend some time with your wife. Why? Because he learned. Thank God, by the grace of God, all four of his children are on fire and serving the Lord. But they'll all tell you for a time that daddy wasn't around. He was too busy out saving the world, telling the world about Jesus and leaving his home to go to hell. See, I learned from those experiences. You can learn from your own personal experiences or you can learn even better and be a watcher. And be a learner and say, God, show me through other people's experiences how to be a minister, how to be a dad, how to be a mom, how to be a son, how to treat my wife, how to do these different things. How many want to be a learner this morning? How many want to learn from other people's mistakes? How many rather save your marriage than go through the divorce and have to have the pain of learning that way? Amen. 
Now, if you've made some mistakes and you're past the divorce, and you, you know, this isn't a condemnation message. It's a message you can start learning today. You can start saying, I am really the anchor in this last day move of God, and I want to be everything that I can be for the Lord. See, God knew what he was doing when he started this thing, church. Nothing's catching God by surprise. Let me give you a few nuggets this morning. And I'm not even into my notes. So I guess this one's not going to make it today. Think about this. I'm going to throw some verses out at you. Romans 15, verse 6. We then are strong. Just listen to this. We then who are strong ought to bear, sorry, this is Romans 15, 1, ought to bear with the struggles of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches, listen, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. This Bible was written for our learning. That we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. This book, you say, man, them guys made a lot of mistakes in the Bible. They were dumb. They were stupid. They were, yes, they were. And God wrote it so we would learn from them. Hello? We, they have no excuse. They were right. They were going into the book. What's our excuse? Who's watching us? And are they looking up down at us from heaven and saying, man, they, why are they doing the same things we did when they've got the book written? They've got the seed in front of them. Why are they doing this on their own, them hard-headed Dentonites? Amen. Why are they doing that? Why do they like to fall in the hole we fell in already? Have you ever read the Bible and realized how messed up they were? Listen, there is no, we think reality TV is bad today. Have you read the Bible? How many are reading the one year Bible? Anybody? Trying to read the Bible in the year? All right, I got a few people paid attention the first few weeks of church. If you're not, you can. There's a plan you can follow, even if you don't have it. I have an online plan you can follow where you read a little bit every day and you read the whole Bible by the end of the year. Well, if you've been reading that one-year Bible, you've probably seen just recently some really crazy stories in the book of Genesis. Right? Like Lot's daughters. Or sorry, yeah, Lot's daughters uh, so they could multiply sleeping with their own father. What reality shows got that? We got reality. The Bible's got reality shows. They, 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 they didn't got nothing on the Bible. You know what's amazing about it? is it shows how real God is. God could have kept all the ugly out of the Bible. He could have said, ah, I better not put that in there. That, that might be weird. But he put everything in there so that we could learn and have experiences from the Bible. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 6 to 11, now these things, listen, these things, these things became our example so that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And it says, not, 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 don't let any of us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. 
You know, there was a time in the Bible when the, the, the earth opened and 23,000 people went into a hole because of God's judgment. Don't let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Remember in the Bible when the snakes begin to bite people? As some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. This is 1 Corinthians 10. Now all these things happen to them so we can laugh at them. It says so we can look at them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. How many give me just a couple more minutes here? Let me show you what the Bible does when you really look at it the right way. Our best friends and mentors, mentors are good. Having somebody in your life that, that mentors your life, that tells you things and teaches you all, everybody should have somebody they look up to in a godly way. Somebody they admire. Somebody that they follow. Amen? But let me throw this out there. Try to make those people the most you can people you know. Let me say that again. I'm not against grabbing something, a truth's a truth, but there's too many people that follow and admire and are mentored by people they'll never meet in their life and don't know if they're living what they're preaching. And people just grab stuff all the time and so-and-so said and so-and-so said. I told you I I rebuked one of my friends at the beginning of the year because he always sends me quotes by everybody and their mama, but I never hear anything from him. I said, you make your own quote. I want to hear what you say. What's God telling you? Come on, how many are following me? What's your life experiences telling you? Because those people don't know you and you don't know them. And listen, I'm not, I'm not throwing it all out. There's some good stuff there. But make your mentor somebody that you know. Or, even better yet, make your mentors from the Bible. The best mentors are in this book. What do you mean? Let me tell you something. I can go to this book right here and I can say, Solomon, I need you to mentor me for a second here. I don't quite understand. Why did you have so much wisdom in the beginning of your life? Why were you so wise and so smart and so amazingly uh, uh, fruitful? And then why did you all of a sudden start hanging out with the wrong women? Are you following me? I don't have to go talk to somebody. I can go talk to the Bible. The Bible will tell me experiences. Solomon will show me himself that all the things that we look at that are so important are vain. I can ask Moses, how did you deal with the grumbling people? It's in the Bible. Are y'all following me this morning? Are you still with me? I can look at this book, this seed, and I can ask Moses, how would you deal with them grumbling people? And I'm not talking to you or you or you, amen? I'm talking to the one right behind you. Amen, that grumbling person. Amen? How do I deal with these grumbling people? I can ask Samson, how could you be so dumb about women? Right? I mean, you want to learn from a mentor? Go look at the Bible. What's better than that? How could you let that woman talk you into cutting your hair? There's going to be some, listen, there's going to be some times in your life You can't talk to anybody else. There's going to be some times in your life your friends won't be around. There's going to be some times when the only thing that's present, and it will always be there, is the B.I. 
B-L-E. Right here. This book's not going anywhere. It'll always be there. Amen? And if you're in the United States, you've got one at every corner. You've got one in your desk. You've got one on your lampstand. You've got one in your car. You've got one here at the seat at the church. You've got one everywhere. Amen? Pick that thing up and talk to your mentors. This is the wisdom of the ages. Psalms 119, listen to this, 97 to 100 says, Oh, how I love your instructions. Oh, I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. For they, for yes, I have more insight, listen, than my own teachers, for I am always thinking of your laws. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. Never give it away. Never try to change this. Never try to manipulate it. Never try to, try to get it to fit your lifestyle. You make your lifestyle fit this book. Amen? Don't let people come in and give you doctrine out of a few verses. You read this thing from Genesis to Revelation, and you pray, and you say, God, show me what your word says about this situation. Amen? You need to get a seed in your life this morning that is something that's going to make a new harvest. I'm telling you, some of y'all are here and you're already thinking about lunch, but some of you need to come back around for a second and realize that I'm giving you a key this morning to making it and having a good harvest. This word has got to be your seed, not the TV, not the commercials, not the announcements, not what any philosopher says. What does the Bible say? Is the Bible the final authority in my life? It can bring life from death. It can bring happiness from depression. It can save a marriage. It can change a life it can set somebody free but you've got to get the right seed in your spirit you have the right seed in your spirit you will flourish and turn into a godly fearing powerful fruit bearing tree of God let me throw this out as a last thought this morning if I were to have a guest speaker come into this place as we do many times we have pastors come and do revivals and God came in to speak this morning. How many would be attentive? If God himself. If I got up and said, hey. I want your attention. We've got a special guest this morning. God is here. And I'm going to give him the mic and he's going to talk to us. It would be just this silent. We'd be sitting up in our chairs. We'd be. We'd be attentive. We said, what is God going to say? Can you imagine? I can tell you what he'd say. He'd open up this book and he'd read right from these pages. He wouldn't say anything different than what's already written. So many times we're looking for some new revelation, some new thought, some new thing. But Isaiah 48 says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Amen. This word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mark 13, 31 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass pass away. No matter what you're going through, always come back to the word of God. Amen. Always make it your final authority. Always say, I'm not going to worry about what anybody else says. What does God say? Musicians, you can come.
That means, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is given to make you feel good. No, it says, by inspiration of God. And it's profitable. See, we don't put enough value on the Bible. We really don't. We really don't. Quit looking at me like I'm condemning you this morning. Amen. I'm not condemning you. I'm just telling you we don't value this thing enough. This thing is worth more than all the riches in the world, and it's free. It's in our hands. But guess what? It wasn't free to get to us. It cost people their lives. People gave their lives so this word could still be here today. And our job and our duty is to take this torch and pass it on. Pass it forward. Amen? Listen to me. Don't turn me out. You say, oh, I wish I had the wisdom of Solomon. God, I wish I could be as wise. I wish I could talk the Proverbs. And oh, I wish I had his wisdom. Well, guess what? You do. It's right here. It's already written. Jeremiah saved my life many times. Personally, he has come down to save my life when he wrote the scripture. For I know the thoughts I have towards you. That scripture has saved my life many, many times. I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of peace. Thoughts of a good ending and a blessed hope, not of destruction. Paul from the Bible has been my best friend many times as he's encouraged me in times of financial difficulty. When he's read and spoke to my heart right from the pages of the Bible and said, my God, Blake, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. The Bible speaks to me. Moses speaks to me. Abraham speaks to me. Ruth speaks to me. Esther speaks to me. Paul speaks to me. Timothy speaks to me. I've got, I've got this humongous Bible in front of me with all these pages and all these words that every day are speaking to my spirit. It's the seed. Here's, a, here's the thought most people have about the Bible. I don't have time to read the Bible I just don't I just don't have time I need time management you might say Proverbs 3 2 says for length of days and long life and peace will these words add unto you think about this do you realize that one day of not reading the word of God could keep could make you miss that one nugget to make you stop from doing that one foolish thing that could cause you years of pain one mistake that, that one day you got that word in you the seed would have been in you and you would have made a better choice and it saved you see I, I don't look at the Bible as taking my time I look at it as saving my time it's saving me from trouble it's saving me from problems when I read that Bible in the morning, I'm taking time, but I'm investing that time into my life, and it's later on saving me from many, many situations. 
Did you know this morning as we're here in Denton, Texas on January 19th of 2014, we are very spoiled. Can you say amen? Very spoiled. We take so many things for granted. And church, I want to challenge you this morning to not put so much importance on what you see on the news because the good news is the bad news is wrong. And a lot of stuff that goes on that news is only the bad stuff. They don't ever talk about the fact that China this morning is having revival. 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 We hear China's taking over the world financially and China's building this humongous army. And yes, they are. But why don't we focus on the fact that right now China has a 15,000 seat sanctuary church of Christians that's debt free, totally paid off by Chinese people. Because everybody in that church that doesn't make a lot of money, listen to this, got second jobs second jobs so that they could take, take that second job income and give it to the church so they could pay off that church it, 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 I say we're spoiled because we, we, we have six or seven of these laying around and don't use them and in places like China they have one page of the Bible and it's priceless to them Again, I'm not, I'm not condemning you. I'm getting you to understand that we've, we've got a call this morning here. We've got to start acting like the royal priesthood that we are. In the U.S., if the cult church is too cold or too hot, people don't come. If it rains too much, if there's too many drops outside, someone was telling us at Discipleship Sunday, they'll close the church down. Guys showed up to the church. No one was there. The pastor said, well, when it rains, we don't have church. So if it's too hot or too cold or the seats aren't padded enough, then I'm going to leave. But people in China are sitting on the ground for hours in hot buildings. I talked about a discipleship on Friday where I look back at the back of the church and see in a, on a rainy day. See, in Costa Rica, it rains eight months out of the year. If you don't go and it rains, you'll never go to church. And I watched people come in with their umbrellas and I look back at the back of that church and it would be full of umbrellas and people would walk in and I'd see them sitting I'd be standing over here on the side like I am here and I'd see these people praising the Lord with water dripping off of their hands and their, and their pants wet up to their knees from stepping in puddles y'all ain't listening to me we're spoiled God's calling us to act like this last generation People walk. People say, oh, I live 30, mi 30 minutes away. Or, oh, it's just too hot or too cold. Or, oh, you know what? I got something better to do. In other countries, they walk. They wait in line to go to church. People take buses and trains to get to church. We need to become like them instead of them becoming like us. It's Mission Sunday. I'm preaching a message to you to get an understanding. We can make a difference in this world. We got to wake up. We got to get this seed to everybody we know because this seed right here will change lives. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that we are all full-time ministers here.